You know that saying that everyone in our 20s, we all say, it's like, oh, we're adulting. Call it what you want. But now we have to be, we have to be leaders in our life. And leadership, you know, is, is one of the biggest qualities that you learn when you're an athlete, whether you, you know, are a captain on your team or not. But you learn how to be a leader, lead by example, lead for yourself. And then when you go out of the sport, that's the biggest trait that you should take with you. What's up, guys? Welcome to the We Are Jocks podcast, where we interview athletes on how being a champion in sports propelled them to champion their life after sports and made them into the successful and powerful human beings that they are today. Once you're a champion, you're always a champion. You just need to find your new sport. Today's podcast really focuses on sustainability. We all think of sustainability as a buzzword in terms of recycling and the physical environment around us. But what does that mean when you reflect on sustainability internally and with your regimen and your schedule? To give you an example, you know after you graduate from your sport, the first couple of months, maybe even the first year, you don't have performance anxiety for once and that break is somewhat relieving. You're like, ah, it's kind of nice to have a complete freedom over my schedule, when and how I want to work out, how I want to spend my time. Then all of a sudden, you kind of feel lost. It's hard to figure out what your health goals are why you go to the gym, why you feel yourself in a certain way, why you spend your time on certain activities and hang out with certain people. Do you really want to go to the same gym or over and over for the rest of your life and do the same workout? I think it's a lot easier when you have a national or league championship to win in four months. You know what you need to do to get there. But what happens when that finality just doesn't exist? You can't really see or navigate what you want that end goal to be. For myself and for so many of my friends, we had this fear and still have this fear of not being able to be athletic, not being able to do the things we once used to do. On today's podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Sarah Dittmars, a kinesiologist and physical therapist who has committed herself to also helping retired athletes feel the passion and intensity of training again even after their quote-unquote glory days are over. To boast about her accolades a little bit as a PT, Sarah was Ontario Junior Hockey League 2017 Trainer of the Year and Ontario Hockey Association 2017 Trainer of the Year, awards she received for her incredible work the last six years with one of Canada's best ice hockey farm league programs. Her work with retired athletes all started after she saw so many athletes struggle once they left their competitive sports environment. Sarah created a program to help retired female athletes, for now, find their competitive edge again. Now, Sarah's mission to help her clients really rebuild that confidence, regain their physical strength, and hone in on their new goals through customized one-on-one training programs, nutrition programming, and group training programs. In this podcast, we get real with the struggles we had with our changing body images, our workouts, our nutrition, and how we incorporate our much-needed athlete rituals amidst difficult social pressures we used to we used to be able to excuse ourselves from while we played because we had to wake up early for practice, and how this idea of sustainability plays a role in being able to allow ourselves to do things that we once, you know, didn't get to do because we had such strict athletic schedules, but also incorporating that athlete regimen so that we make sure that we hit our goals because that regimen helps make us so successful. All right, let's get to this podcast. I'm excited to share Sarah's jocks journey with you all. 
Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining the We Are Jocks podcast for this week. We have a very special guest, Sarah Dittmars, from Sarah Dittmars Sports Performance. Sarah, welcome to the We Are Jocks podcast. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. Good, so happy to be here. And Sarah, you are in Ontario, Canada. It's kind of incredible how how we connected, but basically saw what you're doing all over Facebook, um, and I'm excited for you to to get right into it. The internet is amazing how it connected the two of us and we're really on either sides of America. Yeah, absolutely. And so something I want to start off with, something new I want to do for this podcast is have you share your own athletic bio. I think a lot of times as athletes, we get told um, who we are and what we do by someone else. And I would love for you to give you the platform to tell us who you are, what you do, what your passions are, all that. I think that's a great idea because so many times, right? It's like, hey, I'm Sarah Dittmars. I'm five foot seven, 135 <laughs> pounds. Um, you know, I, I back in the day, I studied kinesiology at Brock University and I'm a cat mom. So, you know, there was always those kind of fun <laughs> facts. So that's that's me and, you know, an athlete bio kind of summary. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I live in uh, Ontario, Canada. And I, um, I finished Brock University with an undergrad in, in kinesiology, but then I finished a master's in kinesiology. And while I was there, I worked with the varsity women's rugby and hockey programs as the athletic trainer. Um, and then after mm-hmm. that, I moved on and I moved home and, of course, broke 23 living in my parents' basement. Um, I, I started my own business mm-hmm. and I started training training just general public kind of people. But that wasn't long until a junior A team in my town, uh, my hometown approached me and, and they were looking for a new therapist to work with the team. So I've also been working with those junior A um, male hockey players for it's six years now, actually. But um, so basically throughout the last nine years, I've probably worked with hundreds of athletes, um, male, like female ages, you know, and they're between eight and gosh, 35, 40, you know, um, so you've seen it all. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot for sure. Hockey. Yeah. Ice hockey in Canada. So we have two tiers. So basically if you're familiar, are you familiar with the OHL? No. Okay. So the OHL level is, it's called major junior. So it's a, it's a little bit more superior than, um, tier two junior a, which is where I work. But basically it's the league that these guys who are 16 to 20 years old play in before they get drafted to the NHL. Okay. Gotcha. So tier two, Very junior cool. a, they're still 16 to 20 years old. Um, however, if you play in that higher up league, the OHL, then you now lose your eligibility to play in the NCAA. So what happens? Oh, happened, wow. Since they're an amateur league. Exactly. Right. So if you play in the league that I work in the OJHL, then you still maintain your four years eligibility to go to the NCAA, which you see a lot of players go either D3 or D1 um, to college programs in the States. So even though they're Canadian, um, they're getting great exposure. Um, We have a lot of showcase tournaments and there's scouts at every game anyways. Um, and, And these guys go on and have a collegiate career. Right. That is so neat. And sort of training them and then training all these different age groups what is this thing that you found to work to work with athletes after sports are over honestly so every year I have a graduating class if you want to call it so 
from my first couple of years at Brock, um, and seeing, you know, the girls go through what I went through, my, my hockey career ended at the end of grade 12. Um, but these girls, like, you know, I, I felt exactly what they were feeling in the last couple of games leading up to the final weekend or when we were eliminated from playoffs. And like, after that, it's just, you know, I feel it more and more and more, so to speak. Like every time I see like the guys mm. walk down the hall from the last time, like I just see a different group of people graduating from the game and kind of doing that. Okay. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Kind of feeling. Exactly. So, it, it, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I see it all the time. I'm like, okay, there's gotta be something there. Like I've got, I've got to find a way to make, to make that transition out of sport and into whatever's next, whether you still maintain to be, you know, competitive with recreational or, you know, races or whatever you decide to do. Like, but there's gotta be some sort of structure and culture after the game ends because it's, it's heartbreaking. Right. And sort of in tandem with what you studied and your passions for training, physical therapy, and then also nutrition, I want to dive right into an example that you recently wrote about with Caitlin Ohashi, the gymnast who's gone viral, UCLA gymnast, who was once an Olympic hopeful on the same team as Simone Biles, got horribly injured and then was slammed by people for her body image, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I think any athlete, any human being can say that. I want to talk about that recent post and how that ties into what you do now. Yeah. Like her career is, is amazing. I mean, so if you're in in a gymnast, I mean, you have to be a pro before you in the age of 10. So you can just imagine the pressure that she had growing up and competing and, and, Mm -hmm. um, and when she went through that injury, she was relatively young. Um, so she broke her back, basically. She fell and she like broke her back, basically. So she gained a whole bunch of weight after that. And the and a whole bunch of weight is like, it's, it's really even not that much weight. But she gained weight in the gymnastics world, Elizabeth. Like, they were not happy. And mm-hmm. people were slamming her. And she, like, she even said, she's like, I was happy to be hurt. Because she was just so unhappy. She, you know, she, she had to deal with this injury. She was young. She was getting slammed by body image stuff. Like it was just, it was a horrible experience for her. And she was kind of just happy to not have to be around it. And then she makes this comeback Mm -hmm. when she decides to go to UCLA and compete in the collegiate stream and take herself out of the international steam stream. And she's like beyond happy. Like if anything that she's written or said on video, and if you read anything about her, and you watch that viral post, like you can't see her not having fun and smiling in her routine. And she nails a perfect time. Right. That was ridiculous. I mean, I mean, can we just talk about the choreography and the music, oh which God. was like, incredible. How she, the, the end part too, like it, it's so good. And you're like, how she can end this? Like this is just already like, right. the whole thing is like a closing move. And then she, you know, she drops down into this, like a split and pops right back up and then uh, tumbles like just amazing like I don't know incredible gymnastics I don't even know if I could do a somersault but (laughs) like right yeah she just blew everyone away on the internet and and you know Michael Jackson music in the background everyone feels good when they see it but you watch that and you can feel you can just see her triumphant like recovery that she made herself and the like discovery that she felt like she's like I want to just do it because I love it and she kind of overcame herself throughout that. So as a, you know, college senior now, she's going to go through more transitions as she heads out of college and she's going to have more um, opportunities to kind of grow and grow and grow. 
Totally. And, you know, I think that we are to transition into to this life after sports thing. It's we are in that sort of middle section, like, okay, so I have, I I had so much fun doing this one thing, right? Or for some people it is, for some people they have a negative relationship with their sport, but how do you find, how have you sort of found that the athletes that you're dealing with find happiness again? And, and specifically with like in the realm of body image and like training, learning how to train again as a, more, I don't want to say recreational athlete, but less specific for a sport and more for like everyday life. So you're totally like changing everything at that point Mm -hmm. because you're taking Mm -hmm. away like the game day on Friday or Saturday, taking away like that push that comes at the end of the week where you kind of ramp up in practice and then, you know, in your whole like Mm -hmm. daily routine you take away the competitiveness of that. You take away your teammates. You take away your coach. You take away that whole environment that you had. And now being athletic and training and eating well just doesn't really seem like it's top priority. Plus, you're going through right. all these shifts, right? Like, say you're that broke 23-year-old living in your parents' basement. Again, now you're trying to figure out your career and all these other things, right? But it's just right. such a culture shock. Like, your day when you played, you know, college soccer – you're probably up at like five or six in the morning, right? You eat and you pack your stuff mm-hmm. for the entire day. And then probably around like six, mm-hmm. eight o'clock, like you probably would head to the gym, right? And do your strength and conditioning with your mm-hmm. team. Then you probably had a meeting at like eight or eight thirty. And then you probably had to shower and then run to class from between nine and two. Then from two mm-hmm. to like, I don't know, let's say like two thirty, you had game film or a video lesson of some sort. Mm-hmm. Then you're getting ready, taped and warmed up for practice. And then you're probably practicing and then you're showering and then you're probably doing some other sort of individual skill training or something. And then you're showering again. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have dinner, which might be provided by the team. Like you might have it at the training center, wherever you are. But then like it's 730 Mm -hmm. and now you have to do all your schoolwork And you're basically up until midnight Mm -hmm. doing the schoolwork that you didn't have a chance to do all day. And now you got to get up and do it again. Right. So you've had this like huge structure. Now when I work for the rugby team, because it's only a half semester or it's only a one term sport. So it doesn't run all year. Kind of similar to soccer. Although I know you guys like there's always training and stuff, but when you're in season, it's a bit more Mm -hmm. structured. Were your grades better when you were Mm -hmm. in season versus out of season? Yes. Yeah. So you had like, and probably like, correct me if I'm wrong. Because it's such a strict schedule. You have no other time to do it. So you have this huge right. strict schedule. And if you don't do it, then like you don't play on the weekend or you fail a class and then you're out of college, right? Like you have major consequences for not right. doing what you need to do in a certain period of time. So then now, you know, you start working a nine to five office job, let's say. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a whole different timeline. Right. Like maybe you're getting up at eight and like running at the door at like whatever time, like if you have a commute, like who knows, like maybe you're getting up super late and then, you know, you're rushing to work and then you're at work and then you're just getting to the day Mm -hmm. and then you're finally, you finally, you're there for eight, 10 hours, eight, 10 hours, five, seven o'clock. You're like, okay, well now I've got to go to the gym. Well, I really don't want to, especially in the winter time. Like it's dark at five o'clock. Yeah. So, you know, that makes it a lot harder. And then next thing you know, a couple of days go by and you haven't done a thing, right? So you have to find a whole mm-hmm. new 
structure of your lifestyle. No, there's a ton of that is yeah. I was saying that's a huge, huge, huge piece, and it's something I struggle with daily. Oh my gosh! Like, and you can't help it, right? Because you're Ew. so used to having you so used to having like just small little gaps of time to do things. It's like okay, well, I have to do this, and I'm running here, and I'm running here. And you loved it because it was so structured, right. but now now it's like you kind of like freewheeling. You have all this time and and space, and it's again, there's no consequences. So I'm not saying that you have to really right. make harsh consequences for yourself, but the structure definitely needs to be there. Now there's a whole bunch of, you know, like books and resources out there that can help you come up with, you know, daily routines. Um, like for example, when my alarm goes off, I do not allow myself to check my email or my social while I'm in bed. I actually don't check my email until after 11 AM. That's a really great rule. How did you, did you just like make that rule for yourself and then you just like kept practicing it and it became a habit? You know what? I heard it from like gurus in the entrepreneurial world because we just get caught in this cycle of like the junk mail and then you go, you're distracted every time it goes off. So I love do not disturb mm-hmm. mode. I don't, I don't let myself mm-hmm. like see it. And then I'll, I'll deal with it around 11 when I'm kind of taking a little bit of a break before I get something to eat kind of thing. Right. But there's all these sorts of mm-hmm. like, you know, there's books out there, like the 5am club, um, is a great book. And it, it basically gives you a structure of like the perfect day, the most to be the most productive. They're like, wake up at quarter to five in the morning. Right. Wow. And then they, they'll tell you like, okay, right. at five o'clock, you know, do some sort of like workout a pretty intense workout. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. hydrate yourself and then maybe listen to some music and, you know, get yourself kind of ready. And then, you know, by 530, you're meditating. And then by six o'clock, you're reading something. And then maybe you're, again, until eight o'clock, maybe you're having like breakfast or getting your family ready to go to work or whatever you're doing. And then, you know, then you're working at eight o'clock. And then by one o'clock, you kind of have downtime or less demanding tasks like work meetings or something like that. You know, like, like mm-hmm. it gives you like strict structures and you know what? Not a lot of people want to wake up at quarter to five. So, you no. know, 5am club well, might not yeah. really be for you. Like I like getting up early, but a lot of people have a hard time with it. And I would say too, because of the athlete environment that we were in, it was so accept- acceptable to wake up at five or five thirty because you were going to bed at certain hours that allowed you to get a good rest or you just like had to be up that early. Whereas I think the transition into the quote unquote, like real worlds, a lot of people stay up a lot later and then get up later. And whereas I'm the kind of person that I want to wake up at the crack of dawn get my workout in and then have my coffee and start the day. And I I like to go to bed by like 10 PM because I need like eight, seven to eight hours of sleep every night. hundred percent. You can't expect to wake up really early if you're going to bed at midnight. Some people know, but it's, it's really hard to do that, especially when the social circles don't allow that. Exactly. Cause they don't, you know, they wake up at eight o'clock and then they run around last minute and then they get there. So that's where you have to, now that you don't have a team or the structure that's like, okay, we all get up at five, five thirty, we go to practice right away. I'll see you at six kind of thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now that you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of seeing people in your social circle who want to get up at eight o'clock and on the weekend sleep until 10. That's where you need to, unless they're living in your household, you need to really remove yourself from being aware of the situations that they do for that. Cause that works for them and that's their problem. But what really works for us, we have to surround mm-hmm. ourselves with like-minded people that really want to get up and you know, get going. So, 
you know, if, if you're, if you're in the same household as them, then it can be difficult. But if you're not, then you just got to focus on yourself there because waking up early in the morning is honestly the way to maximize your productivity because by the end of the day, you're pretty tired. Now, some people, again, don't like the mornings. They'd rather work out after work and go home later. And if that mm-hmm. works for them, that's great. But you can really maximize the benefits of the exercise throughout the day at work, like throughout their whole day, have way more enjoyable like conversations with people, be more productive at work if you have the benefits of exercise in the morning. But again, it depends on what right. really works for you. Right. I also want to talk about nutrition because I think that's a really interesting thing and body image. Once you get taken away from your sport, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. I think it's a really hard thing that we struggle with. Uh, I, I personally have struggled a lot with it because um, I think like we we're talking about when we first met, I was so used to running seven to eight miles a day in practice or in games. And so but I, I I did pretty eat pretty healthy in, in high school or college and high school, but you didn't have to worry about it as much now where it's like, if you don't have cafeteria, you have to do everything kind of like yourself and you want to be really healthy. But again, there's like social pressures to go out a lot more and things like that. And you're not necessarily killing yourself every day at practice or you don't have a structure where you're like, oh, okay, I just played a 90 minute game. Like I can, you know, enjoy a Sunday fun day and not like regret mm-hmm. everything. A hundred percent. When it comes to, uh, when it comes to eating, if you think about calories, calories are really an energy unit. So the more energy you're expending, if you're running seven, eight, 10 miles in a day, you need to have the energy. That's why people say it's the fuel, right? You have to have the energy to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any gas in the car, the car's not going to mm-hmm. go anywhere. So you definitely right. need to eat for that. Now, if you're not running, you're not expending that en- energy and say you're sedentary for most of the day because you're sitting at a desk job. Or maybe it's a mix, a mix of both. Right. Maybe you're kind of active at work, but then you sit a bunch of the day too. You have to really be quite honest with the amount of energy that you use at work, which is where we are most of the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's the amount of energy that you use. So if you were an athlete, you know, like like you were at college, you were probably eating. Let's use the example of like just over two thousand calories a day, just for simple math. Some people might eat three thousand. Some people like twenty two, twenty five. But you're basically looking at mm-hmm. like. You know, over 200 grams of protein, over 200 grams of carbs, and over like about 45, 50 grams of fat per day. Because you need, Mm -hmm. like, you need the protein there to help build and repair the muscles. You need a high carbohydrate because carbohydrates is the very first source of fuel that our body burns when we're exercising. So our body's going to use carbohydrates Mm -hmm. first. And for long periods of long-term exercise our body will then deplete the carbohydrates and start burning fat which is why you see long distance runners Mm -hmm. are very thin and lean whereas sprinters are quite you know they're bulkier and have a bit more muscle mass so Mm -hmm. because you need the carbohydrates high you can burn them off and you won't notice the difference but if you maintain that diet and you're not running let's say you're not running your seven to ten miles now you're just storing Mm -hmm that carbohydrate which turns ultimately turns into fat because we're not burning it and even though our body's trying to metabolize it through our liver and through everything it's not going anywhere so it turns to fat and we store it so you have to adjust Mm -hmm. how many calories you're eating per day based on how much energy you're expending 
So, you know, if you're not, if you're a total, you know, let's say a non-athlete, you're non-athlete. I don't want to use the word NARP. Do you guys use NARP in the States? Do you guys, is that, isn't that even like offensive? You word? know, it's so bad. Yeah. And even more offensive. So at Georgetown, we use the word <laughs> Like it was athletes and then muggles. So like non-athletes, but that, that's just like not, that was like not cool, but that's yeah. Non-athlete, regular person. Is yeah. Art. yeah I, I feel like I'm swearing when I say that word because the connotation, and I don't mean to be swearing <laughs> on your podcast at all, but here, but like the connotation behind that word <laughs> is so like, a, like it's a, it's a, it's like abusive it's it's aggressive word. right right and basically saying that you're you know you're not an athlete you're just a regular person and how horrible would that be but say, <laughs> say you are a regular person you're probably eating you know 1200 1300 calories per day because you're not burning enough to eat 2000 right so then you might be eating around right. 100 grams of protein a day you might be eating like 150 to 180 grams of carbohydrate a day which is almost 50 less if you kind of call it that and you might still be eating right. 35 or 40 grams of fat, but still like you're not burning as much energy. So you, then you can't eat all the, all the calories that you would have if you were an athlete, if you were in season exactly. Right. So, you know, like a retired right. athlete, you know, former athlete, like you, like you and I, and the people I work with, they can either fit into either kind of category. So they're trying to do a very strict, you know, they want to lose you know, weight and they want to lose fat, then you have to have a calorie deficit. You have to be, you know, burning more Mm -hmm. than you are bringing in, right? So whether the deficit is by using exercise to burn off the calories you're eating or the deficit is because you're not putting as much in, as long as there's a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. It's not rocket science. That's just straight up the way it is. But if you're trying Mm -hmm. to still gain muscle let's say and you're still trying to maintain that athletic performance that you had like the fear of not being athletic is terrifying mm-hmm. like lack of mobility and you've got these injuries that have that have built over your career and now all of a sudden like the thought of me not being able to be athletic and go and just go and lift you know do a deadlift totally properly is is terrifying and so if you're, if you're right. still trying to maintain what you have and then keep kind of build, um, like what we were talking earlier about, uh, like your legs, soccer player legs, you do not want to lose your legs. Mm-mm. Right. Like what not kind of body would, would that happen? And what happened if you all of a sudden, like you lost all muscle definition and muscle tone in your legs? Uh, I, I would lose like all my confidence, honestly, like, and and I think for me, it's like when you go, when I go to the gym and I know in college or in high school, I was able to run a certain time or, or lift a certain st- uh, weight or do something strength wise, but I'm not able to do it now. I get so mad at myself and I just go and go and go until I can hit that again. Right. So it's like that so, losing your athleticism again, but then also like if you didn't have yeah. the social proof of having great looking legs <laughs> like that would just really be terrifying right you're not in, in hockey we kind of call it like your hockey butt right and so your glutes are just so strong because we use them in different movement patterns and then runners and and jumpers um and we kind of combine all these mm-hmm. movements and then when you start to lose like your strongest part of your body it's absolutely terrifying like picture like 
the most matcha or right. like alpha male person you know and like with big biceps and all of a sudden they've got little like noodle arms like that would be that'd be horrible right so for your for, right. for your guy listeners out there like just that like we're talking about our legs and our butt but like what if their arms are twigs like it would be horrible well them too and I know actually one of one of my friends who's working in sort of like more of the mental space of in psych of life after sports, he was a lineman at Stony Brook and then he played in the indoor league. And his biggest thing was, you know, he had to maintain this weight when he was in college. So it was kind of like the inverse or, or maybe it's, or maybe it's the same. It's like, you have to maintain a certain number of calorie intake to maintain your muscle, to perform well in the field. So he's, you know, been trained to eat all these things and do this, do, you know, all of these other whatevers to perform well as a lineman on the field. And then when he's done, he had a career ending injury. He's like, all right, well now I'm just like a fat dude. That's like literally what he told me. And he's like, now I have to relearn that, like, you know, gain my confidence back and be like, Hey, like I'm still, an athlete, but I need to train my body and my mind to do something completely different. A hundred percent. And you know what? The, so. the pressure, the pressure that we put on ourselves, the coaching staff, you know, like those pressures that we put on ourselves to perform a certain way. Um, some people do enjoy not having that anymore. Right. Sometimes, it, you know, people, can, mm-hmm. like you said, like people might end, end their, you know, their athletic career on kind of a, I'm ready to move on kind of phase, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, I think we all be kind of, you know, silly to not think that that happens. I mean, some of us, yeah, are very heartbroken when it's over, but some people are happy to move on. And it, it's for things like that, like these big pressures that we have to put on ourselves and others put on us to make sure that we look a certain way, we perform a certain way. Again, like, like look at Caitlin, like if, you know, a gymnast who's not a twig, you know, and by no means would she mm-hmm. walking down the street turn any heads for not being a fit person or being overweight or whatever, whatever specifically she's been told in her life. But, you know, it's, it's, it's so much pressure on us and it, it makes us do certain things like, like we were talking with their workouts, right? Like if you, if you're not working out hard enough and you can't make the lineup then you're not going to play and then you could lose your scholarship, so to speak. Right. Same thing with eating. If you're not eating properly when you're in your sport, then you, again, you won't perform the way you should and you won't make the lineup. And then again, you might lose your scholarship or you might get cut the next year. Right. So, um, there's so much pressure that goes both with, um, with training and nutrition. And now that we take that away we move out of sport and now those two things have to come from us and the requirements of what we need from nutrition and training are also different because again, we're not playing, you know, we're not playing three games in three days again, or, you know, our demands are different. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a shift and it's, it's not a problem, but we definitely have to kind of rediscover ourselves and, and point ourselves in the next direction. Um, I think a lot of the times, you know, when you're like, you're 19, 20 years old in college, you can't see past college. I could never, no. I could never see my life after university. I couldn't, I couldn't picture mm-hmm. it. I had no idea. I didn't know where I was going to live. I had no idea when yeah. I was going to get married, right? And all these things that were supposed to be coming in my life. I had no idea. And mm-hmm. so, you know, 
Mm-hmm. You lose your athletic career and now it's like, okay, well, that was the one thing that I was and I had structure in my life too. And now it's gone and now I got to find something else. So you definitely have to dive a little deeper into yourself and really figure out what you, you know, what you really want. Right. What are, what are some key takeaways or key next steps that athletes can start to adopt through this transition? And like, what do you, what do you tell your clients? So obviously we talked about routine. Is it creating, starting with like the routine and like meal prepping, having a certain goal and trying to hit it by like six weeks or something like that? Like, what do you suggest? Well, everything depends on your goals. It depends what you want. So you have to start there. So I have a free program. It's called the post game playbook. And it basically lets you rediscover who you are. You do a lot of, you know, self work and then you set goals and then you set goals and then you set like the fear goals. So it's called fear setting. So it's basically like, if I don't accomplish this, this is the worst case scenario. We basically call out all the horrible things. And then what can we do to prevent those horrible things from happening? which kind of takes away the fear, which lets us actually go after these things. So that's a prerequisite for anybody who works with me. You know, it's about an hour worth of uh, video content lessons in this program and, you know, maybe an hour or two of self-work and homework and really diving deep into that. And then once you have, like, once you know what you actually want, yeah, then you need to Mm -hmm. start kind of coming up with ways to make sure that you can get it. So these do you remember in, in, in soccer, you know, you have like your outcome goal. So the outcome is we want to be, we want to make tournament. Right. And then we probably mm-hmm. had uh, progress goals. Okay. To make tournament, we have to have a winning percentage of this. You know, we have to have, you know, tactical goals. Um, so let's say how many goals you score in a game. Right. Or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how, like your possession, the percentage of possession that your team has, like has to be over a certain number in order to be, you know, successful. So you have these kind of goals. So the same thing happens like, okay, I've got a goal that I want to, you know, maintain this weight plus minus five, five pounds, but I want to develop Mm -hmm. myself with my power. So I want to be able to do a box jump. That's a certain height, right? Like these kind of things, but the, the ultimate goal is that I want to increase my power and maintain athleticism and like just get overall stronger. So then my, mm-hmm. those, those other goals would be things like, okay, we're going to do box jumps that are, you know, 50 inches, let's say, um, like something that's mm-hmm. like pretty aggressive. And then, okay, how am I going to do box jumps that are 50 inches? And then you just break it down. Right now. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's just like sport. It's just, it's just a different kind of situation. So when it comes to that, then it's like, how do I do, how does each day help me get closer to what it is that I set? Like that goal that I set. So I have this activity that I, again, I heard from a, like I learned this from a mentor. Um, it's called like your dream week. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to write on a piece of paper, everything that you literally need to do in a day and in a week. So every meal, every like work, your work hours, the chores around the house, even, even putting garbage night, right? Like everything. And then include how many times a week you think you need to work out. Right. And that's resistance training. That's yoga. That's cardio that's everything then you structure your leisure time your downtime you know whether that's reading or hanging out with friends your social time and then of course you need to make Mm -hmm. sure you have unstructured time because we're not robots so you know wednesday nights at 7 30 at night i don't have any plans i I just do whatever it is i feel like i want to do right but i don't i try not to work but sometimes i do work because i love my job but 
So then you, you know you have <laughs> you have everything you need, and then you plug them into a calendar, and then you post that somewhere where you see it every day. You take a photo of it on your phone. You might put it in your background, whatever. So you always see it, and then you try and every week when you're making your schedule and you're making your plans, you try and stick to your dream week because in a perfect world, that's exactly what your life would look like. That's amazing. How so? Is that in your playbook? That's not is that no, part of the playbook. Or? No, that's okay. not. No, um, that's kind of like a you know a coaching kind of drill kind of thing that we do once we have the playbook done. Then we you know that's the next kind of activity as you kind of start to work with me, and then we'll pick we'll, we'll work together to figure out you know how many lifts you need to do a week, how many runs you need to do a week, you know, and all of the that's other stuff. amazing. But it's 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 mapping it all out. So if you weren't an varsity athlete, you might have done this before because. You know, you might have had to schedule your workout times in between your classes and mm-hmm. put that in your, in your calendar. Then you probably actually went. If you didn't, then you probably didn't go. So you have to mm-hmm. schedule it, give yourself rewards, give yourself accountability, you know, set, set affirmations, all of those great things. But none of that is good if you don't actually have a plan and schedule it. Right. Right. The scheduling's hard too, because it's like our coaches scheduled everything for us. Yeah. Or our, our weight, our weight training coaches, and then you know our, our individual sport coaches to our assistant coaches. Even when I went to go do extra touches, they programmed the entire thing. So I think that whole programming piece is really difficult. It's so uh, hard to let to go. Of. It's so hard to let go. Of. But you know that saying that everyone in our twenties we all say it's like, oh, we're adulting. Call it what you want. Yeah. But now we have to be we have to be leaders in our life, and leadership, you know, is is one of the biggest qualities that. You learn when you're an athlete, whether you you know are captain on your team or not, but you learn how to be a leader, lead by example, lead for yourself. And then when you go out of the sport, that's the biggest trait that you should take with you. You know, so being a yeah. leader in your life by, you know, I make sure that under 10 minutes of my alarm going off, you know, I am, you know, water poured, coffee poured and ready to do the first thing that I need to do every day. And I know what yes. the first thing I need to do every day is because the night before I wrote down three things that I need to accomplish before anything else in the day gets done, I have to do these three things. And I don't move on to the yeah. next one until the first one's done. But that's an entrepreneurial kind of lifestyle thing too. That might, you know, that right. might fit in, in other people's lives. But, you know, being a leader in the morning, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to just lay around, right? I'm going to get up. I'm not checking social. I'm not checking my email. I'm getting up, you know, morning routine, right. toothbrush, you know, all that stuff under 10 minutes. That's That's like my goal every day. That structure too, though, even, even that little bit of consistency is, is, is key. That's, that's what the greatest entrepreneurs, the greatest business people, the most successful people in the world say consistency wins, makes you successful. Exactly. They're being, they're being a leader, right? They're, sh- they're showing up every day. They're doing, they're doing the work, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you did when you were an athlete. And now it's just in a different form. Exactly. And, so Sarah, how can we get in touch with you? So you can find me on social. So you can find me on Instagram at... Okay. Um, Sarah Dittmars, or you can find me on mm-hmm. Facebook, find my, my business page. It's Sarah Dittmars sports performance. I'm on there. Um, or of course you can find my website is Sarah Dittmars sports Amazing. And how can we get access to the playbook? Follow me. If you follow me on Instagram, the link is in my bio. Okay. Amazing. Because I think that that would benefit a lot of people. I know I'm going to start I'm going to start watching all those videos because I definitely am yeah. craving that structure. I'm telling so. you, it's a game changer. It's a total game changer. Yeah. Great feedback so far from it. Oh, I can't wait. Sarah, thank you so, so much for all this. I'm so glad to have you to have this conversation with you. I'm so glad to be here. This is great. I know. More to come. But this is, this is incredible. Great. Thank you. 
Thank you all so much for tuning into the We Are Jocks podcast, episode 12, featuring Sarah Dittmars. You can follow Sarah on Facebook at Sarah Dittmars Sports Performance or on Instagram at Sarah Dittmars. I'm personally very excited to start her playbook and I will share that journey with you guys. Really remember, um, you know, from this podcast, it's really difficult to navigate our routines and regimens. Um, It's a lifelong journey. It's not something that's going to come super easily, but it's all about the reps that that you take. And it's all about doing it with someone, a teammate who's going to hold you accountable. So, so let's hold each other accountable. I'm expecting and counting on you guys to push me to where I need to go, you know, help myself achieve those goals as well. And I'll be here for you. You can follow us on Instagram at We Are Jocks. Feel free to share your journeys and stay tuned for more details to come about another Jocks event this March. All right, that's it for today's podcast. But just remember, once you're a champion, you're always a champion. We are on this journey together to figure out how to champion our new sport.